Well, as, uh, as you know, we've been in a series the last several weeks on the fruit of the Spirit, so if you want to uh, turn in your copy of the Scriptures today to Galatians 5, notes are available on version as well. If you use that app, you can check that out. Uh, but we are turning our attention to goodness today. Kindness was last week. And I will tell you, um, back in the summer when Pastor Jim had the idea for this series, he kind of put it down on paper for the first time and he ran it by a few of us. And he pointed to this sermon and he said, I think that's the complicated one. And, and I thought about it for a minute and then he kind of explained, he goes, you know, kindness and goodness are very similar. So to do an entire message on kindness and then the next week to do an entire message on goodness might be uh, a bit complicated. And I remember weeks and weeks ago thinking, you know, who would I want to hear do that more than Jim Bradford, right? Because I thought, you know, Pastor Jim is going to do that great, and I'm really excited to see how he does that. And I guess I'm still really excited to see how he would do that today. Uh, I did tell him once I knew everything was going to be okay, I said, Pastor Jim, this is, I understand this was the complicated week, but this was a bit extreme. Like, you did not have to go, next time just ask one of us and we'll do it. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have to do this, but... Uh, but it has been. I, I hope that this series has been ministering to you the same way it has to me. And what a great reminder uh, that as we keep step with the Spirit, God's Spirit works in us, and that allows Him to work through us. And we're going to see how that works with goodness today. When I found out I was preaching this message on Monday, I went home Monday night in the midst of everything going on. I thought I'd better get started. So I opened the dictionary. I thought we better start with what goodness means. Let's make sure we know or define our terms, right? Students, we need to make sure we know what goodness uh, means. So I open the dictionary and you look up goodness and it says, it's the quality of being good. And I thought, well, that's, that's easy enough, right? Let's just go, call it a day, go home. Uh, but then I thought, well, to know what that is, I have to know what good is. And it turns out that good is extremely complicated to define. It's a very kind of imprecise word. In fact, studying for this message reminded me why I was a math major and not a language major. Uh, in college because I like things that are precise. You know, in math, when we have a word, it might be hard to define, but once we know what it is, it's always that. Like three is always three. It's not gonna be four, it's not gonna be two, it's always gonna be three. Well, when I look up, you know, you think about the word good, just think about the number of times that you've probably said good even today. You know, it's how are you doing? I'm good. How was the Mizzou game yesterday? Oh, it was good. You know, how was various things? So I ate something that was good this week. I went to a good concert in Kansas City this week. We use it as this really broad way. And in fact, when you look in uh, the dictionary, if you go to dictionary.com, and if you have your phone, I won't be offended if you do that right now, you'll see 50 numbered definitions for the word good uh, that are at dictionary.com. And that's not counting related words, and that's not counting idiomatic phrases, you know, phrases that involve the word good. 50. If you go to Merriam-Webster, they organize it differently, but it's about the same thing. I think I counted 48 different variations of a definition. So it's somewhat of an imprecise word that's hard to kind of get a clear definition to. But the funny thing about it is we all kind of know what it means, right? We use it a lot. We don't have any trouble using it. We understand what it means. If you look at that first definition at dictionary.com, it says it's morally excellent virtuous and righteous. That's a pretty good place to start. When we think about the goodness of God, it would certainly uh, be encapsulated in that kind of an idea. Um, 
I am also, I mentioned I, I like math. One of the things I, I liked in math was set theory. It's where we would look at collections of numbers or terms and kind of see how they're related and how they're not and what we could learn about that set. That was my favorite part of math. I don't really get to do it very much. Uh, but as I was thinking about it this week, think, trying to think about how I define the word good, sometimes in math, we, we will look at something and say, well, if I know what it's not, I can understand better what it is. And I think that works in this case. Like, I can understand what good isn't, right? Good isn't bad. Good isn't uh, evil. And good isn't wrong. In fact, you could almost say that might be a more precise definition than several of the other definitions you can read there. Um, talking too much about math, I remembered this week, uh, someone reminded me, uh, you know how to tell the difference between an introverted mathematician and an extroverted mathematician? All right, an introverted normal mathematician looks down at their shoes when they talk to you. But an extroverted mathematician looks down at your shoes. <laughs> so you can try and figure out whose shoes I'm looking at. Well, I'm stuck behind the pulpit, so I don't know if I'll be able to look at very many shoes today to see, see, see which one it is. But um, in an interesting way, though, I think the imprecision of the word good can sometimes work to our advantage, right? as we try and define God, because God's nature is so big. So when we say his nature is good, the broad definitions of the word good kind of give breadth to that. There's few other words that we could choose that would kind of capture the essence of God himself in the way that the word good does. It captures the idea of his justice is part of his goodness. His fairness is part of his goodness. His righteousness is part of his goodness. His trustworthiness and faithfulness is part of his goodness. His kindness is part of that. Uh, we saw that last week. And his mercy is part of his goodness. All, when we talk about the goodness of God, it kind of encompasses this big part of what the nature of God is and what, uh, what it truly means uh, to, to understand the true character of God. And I also think when I thought about the word goodness, the, the other thing that really jumped out at me as we started looking at this uh, earlier in the week was that it is one of probably more than any other fruit in this list. Some of them do this, but this one is probably the most this way, where it can describe both an attribute and actions. So something can be good, but you can also do good. So there's being good and doing good. And that's, that's true of God, right? God is good. And God does good. In fact, Psalm 119.68 says exactly that. Uh, the psalmist declares, For you, O Lord, are good, and what you do is good. You are good, and the things that you do are good. Teach me your decrees. And when we think about the idea that God is good, that it's his very nature to be good, we, we can see that spread out all over Scripture. Psalm 107, verse 1 uh, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. We could change the reference on that verse to a verse in Psalm 106. We could change the reference to a, that verse in 2 Chronicles because it declares exactly the same thing. And there are dozens of times in Scripture where you can find this definition. In fact, the word good shows up in Scripture uh, over 600 times across both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it is often used to describe God or to describe God's works. Uh, we see similar declarations of that all across Psalms and Chronicles, Ezra, Jeremiah, Nahum, and throughout the Bible. And the idea that he is good, the Lord is good, speaks to, I think, the very nature of who God is, his character. And the interesting thing to think about there is God doesn't change, right? 
So Psalm, Psalm 90 says, from everlasting to everlasting, you're God. So the things that make you God were making him God before we even understood time to exist, and they'll continue forever, eternally. So before anything else was on the scene, God was good. And long after everything else changes, God will be good. That's kind of the, the starting point foundation I think we can think of for the nature of God is that God is good. And that precedes anything good that he did. So I think we can see that in you know, thinking about this, God, God does good, but before God ever did anything good, he just was good. So, so the faithfulness of God is, is captured by that. But then what God, God wants to do, uh, God being good, uh, is, is the, pre, the precursor for him doing good for us. We also see countless verses in Scripture where God does good. Uh, psalm 65 is a psalm that starts out talking about how the people are crying out to the Lord. And then verse 5 says, you, that's God, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. Deeds are something you can kind of touch. They're more tangible. It's not this idea that God is. That's something that God has done. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God's our, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. James talks about this in the New Testament. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And again, we see this constant nature of God because God's nature is good and it's unchanging. Everything good that we interact with is an active gift from God. It's something that he's done, he's done for us. So we see very clearly, I think a big portion of the story of scripture is the establishing this idea that God is good and therefore God does good for us. Uh, we just prayed for uh, the war in Israel and, and several other things. And I think it's, when I think about God being good, I think a natural question, though, that any of us can have uh, from time to time is, if God is good and if God does good for us in the world, how come so much of what we see is not good? You know, you look around, you see that. I mean, we had a, you know, Pastor Jim's health scare this week. I'm sure you encountered things in your life that you didn't look at and say, well, now that just declared the glory of God and the goodness of God. There's probably things that everybody in this room faced this week uh, that were complicated and difficult and not good. And I think that, you know, the question is, does that change what the nature of God is? And when I think about that, I think we have to kind of go back uh, to, to Genesis. You know, God declared in Genesis 1 after each step of the way of creation that he stepped back and looked and it was good. And at the end of all creation, he said, it was very good. So things started out not just good, but very good. God did very good in the creation. But unfortunately, two chapters later, uh, the story takes a bit of a complicated turn. And that's where Adam and Eve sin. And in the process of that, they disobeyed a command that the Lord gave them. And in the process of that, uh, they were removed from the garden. There was this separation that happened between them and God. They had walked closely with God. And after they sinned, the scripture says they hid. They felt that separation and wanted to move away from the goodness of God because they couldn't be together. And you know, in the aftermath of that, uh, God cursed the ground. So the ground became cursed. God didn't curse the people. The people's sin separated them from God. God didn't, but God did curse the serpent, he cursed the ground. And the way I sometimes think about that is God is the author of the story, right? He's good. And God's plan is good. But in that moment in Genesis chapter 3, the characters in the story, that's humans, that's us, 
and the setting for that story became disconnected from the author and the storyline itself. So now we live in a state that has this space between it. The world we live in and the people we're around have a naturally occurring, because of our sin, separation from the goodness of God that was established in Genesis 1. And, and we, therefore, experience all these things that aren't good, but that's not because God isn't good. God's over here, the author of the story, and his ultimate plan is good. The stuff we see going on in the world is the direct result of that, connect, of that disconnection that we have from the goodness of God that goes back to being because of our sin. Um, Romans 5, Paul addresses this really clearly. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that was Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We experience the fallen nature of this world because we've all sinned, and that entered the world in Genesis 3, and it's been plaguing us ever since, and we've been trying to find a way to get back. Uh, as part of that, we have a sinful nature. We've talked about this a lot this year. We, we have a predisposition inside of us uh, to want to sin. Uh, Galatians 5.17, just a few verses before the fruit of the Spirit verse says, for the flesh, and that can also be translated the sinful nature that we have, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit contrary to, what, uh, to the flesh. So we're in this tension between kind of the part of good that's God's Spirit that we have access to, that God made, but we're stuck over here with our sinful nature, and there's this tension uh, that we're trying to work out. It's the result of the fall, and it can compel us to do bad things at times. Uh, there's a list of that in verse 19 of the, of the, of the temptations of the flesh and the things that, uh, that we can do. It says uh, in verse 19, the acts of the flesh. You know, I think it's easy. These are bookended by things that you're like, oh, I'm good. Like, you know, this starts out... You know, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, it's going to end with, you know, drunken, drunkenness. I think most of us in this room would be like, hey, we're doing pretty good. But it's those ones in the middle uh, that, I, that I think hit a little closer to home. Things like hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness, dissension, factions. All these things plague us because they come out of our sinful nature. That is the result of the separation that we feel uh, from the God's goodness that happened at the fall. And you say, well, Pastor Carter, that feels a little hopeless. Like, what can we do? The good news is we said God's story is good. God has a good plan. And God made a plan for us to, to through Jesus' work on the cross uh, to give us a bridge across that gap that we can get back to and experience the goodness of God again. Now, it's tempting, I think, also to think, you know, like with kindness, we said last week, one of the ways you kind of become kind is you practice kindness. And you, as you do more kind things, you become a kind person. Does that work with goodness? And is there enough good that I can do? Can I just try and do good? And if I do good enough, then I could become good and bridge that gap myself. Well, the answer in, in Scripture is, is clearly no. Uh, remember, God, God's goodness preceded his doing good. So with God, his good acts come from his being good. And I think that's the same thing for us. In fact, I think that's the main differentiation between kindness and goodness. We can practice kindness, but we have to have goodness imparted to us by God himself. And then out of that, uh, the good acts can start to flow. Uh, Titus chapter 3, 
uh, verse 4 says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So that verse kind of tells us there's not an amount of righteous things we can do that can earn our salvation. The only thing we can do is rely on God's mercy, which is part of God's goodness, to save us. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And again, we see that there's not works that we can do that will earn salvation for us. We accept that gift by faith in Jesus. Now, that forgives our sins. That creates, I think, a bridge over that gap that separated us from God and God's goodness. Uh, But it hasn't necessarily completely solved the part of our sinful nature that's just deep in us that's part of who we are. We can have our sins forgiven, and when that happens, you're saved. But then the call is Galatians 5.25. We've hit this verse, I think, almost every week in this series. And it says, since we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, that's why I think goodness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something we do on our own and earn but the Spirit, as, as we walk in the Spirit, the Spirit will convey God's goodness onto us. So we can, not through anything we've done, we can be good because of Jesus' work on the cross and the Holy Spirit working that out inside of us. So we can, do, we can first, we can become good, That's, and that kind of speaks to our character. So we can take on the character of Jesus. The Lord and the Holy Spirit are going to develop that in us. Ephesians 4.22 talks about that. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self is holy and righteous. That's good. That's good like God. And it's so through the spirit that we can be, become good. It becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of our being. Galatians 5.24 says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. So when we become in Christ and we begin to keep in step with the Spirit like this passage talks about, we can die to that sinful nature and we can begin to put off the temptations that we read in verse 19. We keep in step with the Spirit and the Lord will help us be good. But as we take on that goodness of Christ, we can also... We can also do good in the world that's around us. That's part of God's call. Just like God was good and then did good things, he calls us to do that same thing. And, and when we do good, I think that's our calling. So when we be good through, through Jesus' work, that's our character. And when we do good, that's the calling that Jesus uh, has given each of us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And there's a lot happening in this verse. If we think about it, the first thing it says is we are God's handiwork, that God himself is shaping us, developing our character, making us good. We are God's handiwork. He's creating who we are. We're created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, to do good works. So he's shaping us as his handiwork to do good works. And then it says which he created in advance for us to do. That's different from saying created us in advance to do. This is implying that the work that he's called us to pre-existed us even realizing we needed to do it. And he's in a supernatural way bringing us together and unifying 
the goodness of our character with the tasks and the work that he's calling us to so we can apply the goodness of God through our character to these tasks and realize the call that he has for us uh, in the world. Titus chapter 2 talks about this very clearly. He says, we wait for the blessed hope, uh, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And again, we see Jesus is, God, God has purifying for himself through that shaping work of the Holy Spirit and through us walking with the Spirit, he's purifying for himself a people that are his own, a people that are good just like he is. And then when we're good just like he is, we're eager to do the good work that he has called us to do. So we see, as we kind of sprinted through this today, that God does good because he is good, right? We said God's being good pre-existed anything uh, that he did. God does good because he is good. But we can become separated from that goodness by sin. But God did good in Jesus' death on the cross, and that made a way back, that made a way back for us. And when we accept that good gift, we walk in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit allows us to become good, which in turn allows us to be good. So today, wherever you're at today, I think the, the call for us to, to grapple with is, am I walking in the Spirit in a way that allows God to convey his goodness onto me? And if I'm not doing that, I need to evaluate what I need to do to change that. And if I am doing that, the next step is, what is God asking me to do? I think there's people today that that God is asking you to take a step out in faith to try something new. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. Only you can do them. Uh, They're prepared for you. And he's shaping you as his handiwork to do those things. Um, The other thing, and as the the music team can come back uh, in a moment, that verse in Titus, Paul talks about we look forward to a blessed hope. And that's the time when God's going to fully close that gap between the characters in the story and him and his story. He's going to fully remove that gap. The cross is our bridge across there right now. Uh, But there's coming a day where that gap's going to be gone, and God's going to bring everything to himself. And that's a very very happy uh, thought. But the thing that's complicated about that is it's not necessarily happy for everybody, because when God brings that back, when he brings things back to himself, because God's nature is good, He's going to bring the people who are good. And again, it's not by anything we've done. We can't do enough good to come back there on our own. It's only through accepting the gift of salvation uh, that Jesus offers us that we can become good and we can become fully united with God. And we can look forward to that day, uh, to that day when he comes back and does this. Um, The very real part of God's goodness, though, is that his justice, he's just. And God's justice demands a judgment. And there has to be a separating. For God to be good, he has to be just. And for God to be just, he has to judge our actions against a standard. And the only way that our actions stand up against that standard is if we've accepted Jesus and if we've then let the Spirit work in us to put off that sinful nature and become gone, worked every day that we're here on that process of sanctifying to be more and more like Him. 
The, ba- the very bad news of that, the bad news in a good story is that not everyone is going to do that. And you might be here today and you haven't done that. You have not allowed, you've not accepted that free gift of Jesus' work on the cross and become good. And if that's you, I would stand to bet that you feel like you're on a rat race. You're trying to do enough good to get back. And the more good you try to do, the more worn out you get, right? And you just can't do it on your own. And that's exactly right. You can't do it on your own. You have to just reach out and take the free gift of God's salvation. If that's you today, great news is you can fix that right now. Right now. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads and we're going to respond in a couple different ways to this message and we're going to sing a little bit more worship while the prayer workers help us respond. But first thing, if that's you here today and you have not accepted that free gift of God's salvation, uh, it's easy. The Bible says you just have to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess that with your mouth, and let him be Lord of your life. And you can do that as you sit in your chair right now. But if that's you today, the minute we're going to pray, and you can pray that prayer with us, but I'd love to pray for you if you're here, and that's you. No one else is looking around. I just would ask that you slip up your hand. I'm kind of looking around the room. The Holy Spirit working you now. You might be here today and you say, I've done that, Pastor Carter, and I'm, I'm right with the Lord, but I still struggle with parts of my sinful nature. I've not figured out how to yield my life yet to the work of the Holy Spirit in me and let him shape my heart to, to, uh, to put off my old sinful nature. I'd love to pray for you today in a minute, too. If that's you and you're struggling with something in that regard, we're not going to single you out. If you slip your hand up, I'll remember you in prayer today. And then a third thing. You might be here and you you're feel like you're walking in the Spirit, and, and that's good, but you either feel like you have not maybe stepped all the way into God's calling, you're trying to figure out how to step into the plan and the call that God has for your life. Or you might even be saying you feel something stirring, and you want some prayer for that today just to see what the next step in, in your call is. Uh, we'd love to pray for you for that today as well. So if that's you, would you slip up your hand? Sometimes there's acknowledgement in that, yeah. Lord, we're thankful today that your love is so powerful and strong. Lord, that you're good. You are good. Thank you for that goodness that we get to experience uh, through Jesus and his work on the cross and then through your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there are people here today who need to take that next step with Jesus, either the first step, Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to do that today. Uh, Lord, help them to, to... Even now, just pray the prayer, Lord, I believe that you're real, that you died on the cross for my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life and forgive me. Lord, thank you that when we pray that, you're, you're faithful to do that. You forgive us. You begin to impart your goodness to us. Lord, we also lift up people that just because we've had that experience, we're not fully delivered from the sinful nature that we have from the fall yet. So, Lord, if there's people across this room that are struggling with some part of that, I just pray that you... I would speak to them through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would give them peace in their soul, that you're at work in them, and that they'd study your word more, that they would have the, the courage to you know, confess things when they need to, and that they would open themselves up to the, to the heart-shaping work that you want to do. Lord, when it's not easy, I pray that you'd give them strength from you for it. I pray that you'd put people around them that can go on that journey with them. And Lord, lastly, I just thank you that 
Your call for each person in this room is strong and it's good. And Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and you have good works that were prepared in advance for us to do for every single person in this room. So Lord, as we go through our week this week, pray that you'd help us to have attentive eyes to the steps that you want us to take, the relationships you want us to make, people we need to talk to, the work that we put our hand to. Let, let your anointing be on each of those. Lord, help us feel sent to work and sent to school this week on mission from you, not just to do the Uh, to do the work that we do, but to do the work as an act of worship to you and to proclaim your name as we do it. And Lord, if there's people here today who are pondering a next step uh, in their calling with you, I pray that you would just reveal that next step to them. Help them to, again, find people to partner with them to process that. That you would just open new doors and let it be exciting for people to walk through those and take the steps that we need to take in you. Lord, I thank you that you're with us today and that you're working and you're moving in this place. As we wrap up today, I just pray that every person here would be open to the heart-shaping work, the calling that you want to do in us, we pray.